0: Uncommon Commons is a horror anthology podcast written and recorded by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Content warnings can be found in the episode description.
1: Stay tuned till the end for information about the Uncommon Commons Patreon.
0: Today's story is called CFI Care, written by George Plank. Void again? Is it too much to ask for even a minuscule amount of entropy? Oh, huh. figures. A is in retrograde. 38, 39, and 40. John, if you are methodically letting mice into the house so that Doreen can
1: hunt, stop. What? No, I learned my lesson last time. You ended up eating half of them.
0: Yeah, to give Doreen some competition can't have her getting complacent. That's fair. No, I was actually... No, no. Don't tell me. I get two more guesses. You were counting all the times that you breathe unnecessarily. Nope.
1: Guess again. You were... I was doing Doing calisthenics calisthenics to to improve improve my stamina stamina and and ultimately ultimately live a more fulfilling lifestyle. lifestyle.
0: See? I knew it. Wait, what? You don't work out. I do now. What are you wearing? You look ridiculous.
1: What? This is standard workout gear. Yeah, about 40 years ago. First of all, time is an illusion, so, you know, write that down.
0: I'll grab my steno.
1: And you may not like it, but this is what peak performance looks like. Yeah, you're right. See? I don't like it. Besides, Doctors say that a regular routine is essential for a long and happy life. A long? You want more of this? Well, I... You're happy? Well, I was. No, no. Don't get up. I've got it.
0: You good? (coughs) Who's it for?
1: You get three guesses. Is it for me? Nope. Guess again.
0: Is it for Doreen? No, one more. Ugh, I give up. You you give up? Yeah, I named all the important people in the commons. Doreen doesn't even get mail! And whose fault is that? While you read whoever's story that is, I'm going to send her a nice card.
1: Sigh. Idyllic. That was the word that Lindsay might have used to describe that morning. Sunlight beamed through the window to her bedroom where she yawned and stretched and sat up to greet the day. The sky was a deep cerulean blue dotted only with a singular cloud. Lindsay cast her blanket to the side and stepped onto the hardwood floor of her bedroom. She made her way to the window. From here she could see the garden that was planted in her front yard. A quartet of beautiful red flowers peeked up from the soil, their petals greeting the sun. The yard grew dark as a massive shadow was cast over the house and its occupant. Lindsay let loose a blood-curdling scream as her view of the outside was obscured by a massive iris, cornea, and pupil. The eyes sat in the sky, scanning the house, unblinking. Lindsay heard the house groan for a moment before a large gust of wind came roaring from behind her. She didn't have enough time to grab onto anything, not that it would have done her any good, before the gust lifted her from where she stood and through the window. The giant's eye that had been admiring the house now had its full attention on Lindsay, as she was carried closer and closer to its pupil, which appeared to contract in surprise. Before she made contact, Lindsay woke up. Her breathing was ragged and her brow was slick with sweat. The current state of her apartment was less than idyllic. She had tossed and turned throughout the night, and now most of her pillows were on the floor. Sunlight streaked in through the half-down Venetian blinds that were permanently diagonal because of a broken string from the 90s. She wiped the crust from her sleep-deprived eyes before grabbing her glasses off the nightstand. With the room in view, she made her way to the bathroom to freshen herself up a little bit. The harsh light from above her mirror was never the kindest to Lindsay, but this morning it seemed particularly cruel. Her face, framed by the blocky red glasses that she wore, seemed splotchy and pockmarked with the passage of time. This morning, the only thing she liked about herself was arguably the part that was most visible. Magnified beneath her thick red glasses were two different colored eyes. For as long as she had been perceived, she had been given compliments on her eyes. While she was in utero, the doctor said she had her father's eyes. Now she could hardly walk down the street without someone paying them some compliment or another. Her right eye was blue, while her left eye was mostly brown, with a little blue sneaking its way in, making it a vibrant hazel. She squinted for a moment and then blinked a few times before taking her glasses and wiping them with her shirt. It was a good thing she was having her eyes checked soon. It had been far too long since she bought a new pair of glasses, and this was a long time coming, too. She had tried to make an appointment with her usual doctor, an older gentleman whom she had visited since she was just a young girl. Usually the phone would ring once, be answered by a receptionist, and she would have an appointment sometime that very week. This time, however, the phone didn't even ring. There was a tone, and then an automated voice said that the number was no longer in service. Lindsay, never one to give up, drove to the office to try and make an appointment in person, but she didn't even need to pull into the parking lot before she saw the charred remains of the office. Then began the hassle of calling her insurance, being put on hold, speaking to a representative in a different time zone entirely, and finally being asked if they could call her back with more information, only to have them call back five hours later while she was driving on the interstate. All that time was well spent, as they had done the near impossible. Lindsay had an appointment that Tuesday with what was probably the busiest optometry office in town. Lindsay knew it only by reputation. Whenever she drove by, her eyes were drawn to all the glass displays inside that were usually flanked by onlookers. She didn't have too many co-workers that wore glasses, but those that did said they had been on the waiting list for ages. But by some miracle, Davis and Austin was able to determine that they were in-network and also could secure an appointment. Lindsay washed her face and prepped herself for the day. For some reason, she just couldn't shake these jitters that she had been experiencing. She knew that she had nothing to worry about. Arguably, optometrists were some of the safer doctors to visit. You know, doctors prod and dentists scrape and drill, but... Optometrists deal mostly behind glass. Except for... Lindsay shuddered a little at the thought of it. It was the worst part of any visit and she was already tearing up at the idea of having a small burst of air blown in her eye. It wasn't that bad, all things considered. What it really came down to was the anticipation, being reminded that you can't blink all the while waiting for it to happen. Lindsay shook it off and continued getting ready for the day. Just outside the shopping center, a sign bore the names of the businesses and institutions that could be found within. Here, the optometrist's office was given unassuming green text that said simply, Caesar Felix Optometrists. This betrayed the ornate glass exterior of the storefront with the equally extravagant sign that said in flashy lettering cf eye care upon entering lindsay had to do a double take at first glance this place seemed to have more in common with a boutique than a medical practitioner's office everywhere she looked she saw busts inside glass display cases wearing stylish eyewear as she approached she said the bus had a sort of abstracted design with sharp angles around the face and either a squared or rounded back to the head. A small amount of condensation was pooled at the bottom of each case, but it in no way obscured the view. None of that mattered, because the focal point was definitely the glasses. Each one was beautifully detailed, and seemed to suit the eyes of each wearer. The eyes? There was something about these eyes. They were so detailed. A spooky story Lindsay had read online a few years ago might have called them hyper-realistic. The colors were so vibrant, Lindsay could almost say that they were moving. They say the eyes are the windows to the soul. Wouldn't you agree, Lindsay? A cool, calm voice came from behind her. Lindsay whipped herself around to see a man wearing a pristine white lab coat and a thin pair of wire-framed glasses. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to alarm you. You are Lindsay E., correct? Yes, that's right. Lindsay didn't know what to make of this person. He seemed well put together. She could tell that beneath his lab coat, his shirt and pants were both pressed, and his shoes had been recently shined. I hope you didn't find it too presumptive of me. I saw in your medical file that you had heterochromia, and I assumed, since you were the only one in the store with two different eyes, and it was nearing your appointment time, his voice trailed off. He had a slight accent, but from where, Lindsay couldn't place. So you must be... Oh, (laughs) yes, where are my manners? The man smiled and extended his hand in Lindsay's direction. I'm... Caesar Felix. But please, call me doctor. Lindsay laughed, even though she didn't know if he was joking or not. His continued smile made her feel a tad more comfortable in the moment. She took his hand and shook it gingerly. His grip was strong, yet controlled. It wasn't overbearing like her college boyfriend, who insisted on making it a competition to see just how many bones he could break with his grip strength. Let me show you to the examination room. He gestured to a small corridor just at the end of the showroom before walking on. Lindsay followed briskly behind. I hope you don't mind me saying so, but you have lovely eyes, Miss Elmer. Oh, thank you. I got them for my birthday. (laughs) Lindsay laughed at her own joke. She couldn't tell if Dr. Felix's smile was because of what she had said, or if he was still smiling from their initial meeting earlier. These are some uh, interesting busts you have. Thank you. I made them myself. You... you made them? Yes, Caesar said. Very much matter-of-factly. I also design all the glasses in-house. The eyes have a deep significance, not just personally, but culturally as well. Each set is different, and every masterpiece deserves a good frame. Speaking of which, I believe I already have a design in mind for you. Oh, thank you, Lindsay said. She wasn't planning on buying any of the glasses in the showroom, as they were a little out of her price range. She was already planning on how she was going to let him down easy. You're a very talented designer. Mm Mm-hmm, Caesar nodded, a little distracted as he led them both down the twisted corridors behind the store. I was a critically heralded sculptor back in Eponema. For a while, people said I had an eye for the details. Why'd you leave? Caesar's head shot up as if his attention was once again fully on Lindsay. For more opportunities. I love trying new things. And as you can tell, the customers seem to love the more abstract designs. Ah, here we are. The two of them arrived at a small alcove dotted with a few different medical devices and assorted machinery. Lindsay didn't need to be told what was coming next. She had been dreading it for hours now. We're just going to run a quick test for glaucoma. The last thing we want is for your eyesight to deteriorate. Right, she said with a false sense of confidence. Just focus on the image, and please, keep your eyes open. Lindsay took off her glasses and pressed her face into the eyepiece and waited for the test to start. Everything started dark and then some shapes started to drift in and out of focus. A simple house, drawn only with a square and a triangle. A green hill and a blue sky with a single cloud in it. Four red flowers in a neat row. The house grew and shrunk in size as it shifted between stages of focus before succumbing to crystal clarity. She scanned over the details of the house, anything to keep her mind off of what was coming. For a moment, she thought she heard a sound and saw some movement coming from one of the windows. But before she could take a good look... Tears welled up in the corner of her eyes, and Lindsay recoiled in response to the sudden burst of air. See? That wasn't so bad, was it? Lindsay, always one to put on a brave face, said, Not at all. And then she wiped a tear from her face. The two of them walked towards the main examination room. You said you were from Empanema? Isn't that the place from that one song? Uh, About the girl who goes walking? Caesar chuckled in a way that told Lindsay that this was not the first time he had gotten that question. I believe you're thinking of Ipanema. It's okay. They sound very similar. Ah, here we are. He opened the door to the examination room and flipped the light switch. Halogen lights buzzed to life, illuminating an oversized medical chair with several metal armatures attached to it. Without having to be told, she took a seat on the chair placed her arms on the armrests. Caesar took a seat in his own office chair and wheeled it in front of Lindsay. He reached behind the chair and pulled out the first of many devices. Upon request, Lindsay placed her head on the chin rest as Caesar shone a series of lights into her eyes and took all manner of measurements. Are you comfortable? Very, Lindsay lied. In actuality, the chin rest was cold and hard. The calipers that the doctor used were digging into her head and his lights were causing her to see spots. But the sooner she got through this part of the exam, the sooner she could get her new glasses. Caesar smiled and reached behind Lindsay once more to retrieve the opter. a masquerade mask of lenses of different indents and thicknesses. He adjusted a knob situated on the wall behind him. A projector cycled through a few different vision charts before he settled on one. How would you describe your eyesight? Lindsay thought for a second before eventually answering. I'm pretty nearsighted. Like, I always had trouble reading the board in school. Without my glasses, I don't know if I'd be able to pick my friend out of a crowd ten feet away. Interesting, he said, sliding a few lenses into place and adjusting the few dials before placing the device firmly over Lindsay's face. Would you kindly read the line furthest down that you can? Okay. Lindsay squinted, even though she knew that defeated the purpose of the test. S-4-T-7-A-1-C. Okay. He tapped a few more down. How about now? It's about the same. About the same? About the same. Okay. Which is clearer? Number one or number two? Number two. "'Okay, how about?' He slid another lens into place. But instead of being able to read another small line of text, she saw a woman Lindsay didn't immediately recognize. The woman appeared to pound on an invisible pane of glass, as if she was trying to escape from the lens itself. She was desperately mouthing something, but whatever it was, Lindsay couldn't hear it over her own yelps of surprise. Caesar reacted immediately, taking the lens out of the fouropter and holding it up to the light. He glanced over at Lindsay before tucking the lens into the front pocket of his lab coat. "'Excuse me for just a moment.' There's something I must attend to. He flashed his smile once again. I'll be back in the blink of an eye. That's what he said. The blink of an eye. He must be missing his eyelids, Lindsay thought to herself, as a couple minutes turned into a half hour. Somewhere down the hall, she heard something that sounded like glass shattering. Dr. Felix? She called. But there was no answer. Slowly, she rose out of the examination chair and peered out the doorframe. For a moment, the only sound that permeated the offices was the hum of the business's halogen lights. She heard the sound of a door closing somewhere further into the office space. Dr. Felix? She repeated with no response. She started walking down the twisted labyrinth of halls. The only break in the sterile white drywall was the occasional piece of corporate art trying to replicate some cubist take on the human eye. Eyes of every possible shape and size followed as Lindsay found her way to a room with the door slightly ajar. The plaque outside read, C.F.O.D. She knocked before pushing the door open. Dr. Felix? But he was again nowhere to be seen. Behind his paper-littered desk was an empty desk chair. A landscape hung on the wall behind the desk. Two shepherds looked up in horror as something with feathers and too many eyes stared back at them with wide-eyed amazement. A loud humming came from just to the left of where Lindsay was standing. There was a room off to the side of the office. It sounded like some large machine was warming up. Lindsay pushed open the door, hoping to see the doctor. If he wasn't there, there was probably a perfectly reasonable explanation why he had to leave the examination suddenly. Instead of the doctor performing a routine but unknowable task to anyone other than optometrists, the room was almost completely dark, save for the blinking light of some strange machine. The light from the office offered little in the way of visibility. She saw the outline of one of the pedestals and the busts from the main showroom. She thought, this must be where he works on his new busts. She felt around the room for a light switch. As she ventured deeper, the room grew darker and darker until it was impossible for her to see the pile on the floor that she tripped over. The fall caused her to lose her glasses, so for a few moments she felt around trying to find where they went. Her hands came in contact with something soft, cold and leathery, and occasionally wet. She found her glasses just in time for the lights to come on. She jumped to her feet and screamed, her hands now red with blood. Something pink in her periphery caught her attention, and she looked at the half-completed bust. A small amount of brain poked out the back, connected to a bundle of optical nerves that ran to the eyes of the bust, which were shifting wildly between Lindsay and the figure that had just turned on the lights. I wouldn't worry about them. They aren't in any pain. Dr. Felix stood in the doorframe, glare from the room reflecting off of his glasses, his smile now completely absent from his face. Lindsay wasn't worried about them. She charged at him and pushed him to the side, causing him to momentarily crumple into the doorframe, his once pristine white lab coat now stained by two bloody handprints. Lindsay fled from his office and ran down the corridors. The modernist eyepieces on the wall all looked the same after a while, all of which rolled in indifference to the poor girl's plight left, then right, then left, another left. Lindsay could tell she was going in circles. She was about to round the corner, but Caesar rounded it first. She was caught off guard and almost fell over, trying to reverse her direction. He grabbed her by the front of her shirt and pushed her into the open examination room. It was at this point that she did lose her balance and fell into the medical examination chair. Two thick metal clasps sprung forth from the arms of the chair and held her firmly in place. She writhed and wriggled before a third came from two-thirds down the way of the chair and held her legs in place, too. I'm sorry to keep you waiting. Dr. Caesar Felix inched closer to the chair. You know, I try to make glasses for everyone. When people come to my store, they can see themselves in my work, because I try to match the right glasses to every pair of eyes. I've always been more of a mixed-media artist, and every master uses a little reference material. Lindsay thrashed around and tried to scream as the doctor leaned in close with a penlight to see how her pupils contracted. Come, come. My offices are soundproof. I take patient confidentiality very seriously. I'm sure you get this a lot, but you have a remarkable pair of eyes. The most common eye color is brown, but even then you can get a lot of variants. Little specks of orange or darker brown to decorate the iris. Blue eyes are maybe 10% of the population. Hazel, like the ones you saw in my most recent work, even less at 5%. But heterochromatic eyes like yours are less than 1% in one hundred. Give or take. Lindsay screamed and screamed until her throat was sore and her voice was hoarse. The doctor plunged a needle into her neck and pressed down on the plunger, causing a bright yellow serum to course into her veins. She started to fade and her field of vision darkened at the corners. Once again, Dr. Felix reached behind her head, and though she couldn't see the entirety of the mechanism, she could hear the sound of a mechanical motor and see a small, rotating circular saw. Be seeing you. When Lindsay came to, she couldn't see anything. Her vision was cloudy, and she felt strange. The room was dark, but she could tell she was among the busts in their respective display cases. The lights came on, and a figure moved the glass case that surrounded her now. Her eyes felt so dry, she tried to blink, but she couldn't. She tried to scream, but she could not. She tried to move, and only succeeded in looking around the room. Her pupil dilated as her retinas shook violently. A set of hands carefully placed a pair of glasses on the clay and plaster that was now her face. She looked out to see the face of Dr. Caesar Felix smiling at his own handiwork. Absolutely perfect, he said before closing the case, allowing her eyes to get the moisture they needed once again. He walked over to the door and unlocked it, allowing the waves of people to come in and gawk at the new displays. She watched as people ooed and awed over her special eyes, and though she couldn't hear what they were saying, She could see them mouthing compliments with crystal clarity. Thanks in part to her new pair of glasses.
0: You know, four out of five cartoon rabbits recommend carrots for your eyesight.
1: Really? That doesn't sound quite right.
0: Oh yeah. The hard part is finding a doctor that will agree to swap them with your eyes. I, however, will do it for free.
1: I think I'm good. Just
0: wait till you see the difference. I think I'd rather see myself out. Where are you going? I have a very comprehensive HMO. Uncommon Commons is a podcast. It is written and recorded by George Plank and Alex Vitale, and the theme song is composed by Charles Adam Robinson. Our logo is designed by Sam Vitale. Our social media manager is Rebecca Tewksbury. Email us directly at 0 street at gmail.com. Visit our socials or support us on Patreon in the link tree listed in the description below. Rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Stay, and remember, nothing is real.
1: Hi, it's George. Just wanted to let you guys know that Uncommon Commons has a Patreon. For $1 a month, it gets you access to all of our bonus content, including the common area. Hi there, I'm George. And I don't want to be here. I'm actively dying. How are you doing, George? I'm passively dying, thank you.
0: Oh. For $100 a month, you will be rocketed
1: into the void itself. What mere disassociation could not do, we will do for yeah. you. <laughs> what is the scariest horror film you've ever seen?
0: Garfield the movie.
1: Interesting. Back <laughs> <No>. it up. <laughs>
0: If I dropped you in Victorian England, you would be the definition of a madman, and you'd be in Bedlam in five seconds flat.
1: I would be Sherlock Holmes, and I would be solving mysteries. (laughs) Plus, exclusive stories not available anywhere else, like Help Wanted. Thomas laid on his bed for what may have been hours. He had fallen asleep after letting himself get carried away by the pizza. The pizza box was torn and thrown across the room after every ounce of meat and cheese and grease had been leached from it. The television was on. On it, a puppet was telling a group of kids about the number six. Suddenly, the oven caught on fire. A small pizza inside had gone unattended for too long. Thomas released the crank and made for the emergency exit. Before he could lay his hands on the handle, the flames from the oven encircled him. So, click the link in the description and join us today. Stay. And remember, nothing is real.